All right, this is Igris, and we are in the year Tavshin Lamedalid, exactly 50 years ago. And as mentioned previously, we are uh, we are unfortunately somewhat reliving the letters of exactly 50 years ago. We did this uh, in Tavshin Lamed Gimel, and it was kind of great to relive those 50 years. It's been less great now. But exactly 50 years ago, there was a Yom Kippur War, and 50 years later, we are now reading letters that correspond to a current war that started on Simchas Terah. So the uh, letter that we're looking at today is letter Yud, Tav Tav Kuf Ayin Tes. This is one of the earlier letters from Tav Shin Lamed Dalet. It's in Tishrei, and it's unclear from the letter whether the war was still going on at the time, but we can assume that it was from some of the context in the letter. Either that or it had very recently ended as the Yom Kippur War. So this was written in Tishrei, Tav Shin Lamed Dalet, and the Rebbe starts off by promoting tzedakah, but the part we're going to focus on is something that Rebbe says near the bottom of the letter, so keep that in mind as we go through the entire letter. The Rebbe writes, Shalom Ubracham. By the way, he opens with Shalom. See? Peace. Shalom Ubracha. I'm responding to your letter. And I'm responding to your letter by telling you that it's explained in many places that there's an incredible advantage of Tzedakah, of the mitzvah of Tzedakah. And it's also understood that when God does things, it's Mida Kenegin Mida, exactly the way that we act is the way that God acts. Except that God acts even more so when it comes to mitzvahs. So if we do a good thing, God does many, many more good things because of our good thing. But when you give Tzedakah to somebody who's poor, even though you don't actually need to give him anything, you don't owe the guy. This gives incredible brachas from Hashem to the giver of the Tzedakah and everything that he might need. And this increases upon him, these brachas. Every one of us need brachas all the time. This is a generic opening, but it's also a very important opening. Every time somebody asks for tzedakah, this is an idea that's in the back of my head. It's that I don't actually owe them anything, but I'm going to give them something that I don't owe them. And I hope that God in return is going to give me things that I don't deserve, uh, hopefully significantly more. So the Rebbe says that is the way the charity works. When we give to people who don't deserve, we get things we don't deserve. And the truth is we could all use that. But when these recent times, but now there are people who find themselves in the in battle, they find themselves at war, they're unable to give tzedakah, they're busy, they're on the front. They can't be given tzedakah but practically. Because there are things that are depending on their lives, that they uh, there are all sorts of conditions that need to be met. They're busy. They're busy fighting a war. They can't be giving tzedakah right now. So, therefore I've asked somebody who's my my dear friend, the Rebbe doesn't say who, who is bringing you this letter, that they should bring with them, they should deliver this letter to you, and he should also bring a coin, and give you a coin, as my shliach, as a gift, so that if you want, so then you can use what I sent, and also use your own money to fulfill mitzvah tzedakah, so the Rebbe is sending tzedakah, it seems to Eretz Yisrael, telling them, use this and give this in my name, you're my shluchim, to give tzedakah for me, and also you should give tzedakah from your own, as a way of uh, doing so for the soldiers who are unable to give tzedakah right now. This is a very novel way of looking at the charity that's happening right now in America. Uh, I'm in a Butzer WhatsApp group, WhatsApp groups, everybody is sending money and aid to Eretz Yisrael, which they absolutely need to and should continue doing, but they generally think of it as being, we're giving tzedakah to them. Uh, the Rebbe is adding, you're also giving tzedakah for them. Since the Jewish people are all connected, the Israeli soldiers right now are unable to give tzedakah themselves. When we give tzedakah, we are not only giving tzedakah to them, but also giving on their behalf, giving tzedakah for them that will cause a merit for them. Our giving of tzedakah protects them both in the material that we give and also in the mitzvah that we are doing that gives them mitzvah protection. Just a, a multi-pronged approach to tzedakah. Umatev. 
Why not connect this with the learning of Torah, the living Torah? At least learn one Pasuk from the weekly Parsha, or some statement from the Chazal or Halacha. I think that means that, not a Maimur Chassidus, but that too. A Halacha B'Tera, maybe a Halacha in the Torah, a Halacha that you'll find in the Gemara somewhere. Whatever books you have, learn a verse of Torah for the soldiers. Everybody's saying to say Tillam, and obviously do that too, but... This is one that we're not seeing very often. The Rebbe is saying in this letter, if you want to help the merits of the soldiers, another way to do it is to open a book and to read even one line of Torah. This last section is the one I want to focus on for whatever time we have left. And God, the God of the hosts, he will protect you in all places that you are. Great is your merit. And great is your merit and great is the merit of all those who protect our holy land, and those who protect our holy nation, of and in the language of Rambam, that God will give them that the people who protect the Jewish people, people who are fighting in the war right now, they will have merits that will protect, that will give merits to them and their children forever. Why am I excited about this last line? I'm excited about this last line, not just because the Rebbe is saying, he's quoting a Rambam, saying that the, that the soldiers that exist right now, so modern soldiers, will get this brach of soldiers who are fighting right now for Eretz Yisrael, who have incredible merits for themselves and their children forever. I'm excited about it because it's a Lashon Rambam that does not on the surface apply to our situation. It's in Hilchas Malachim in Perek Zion. There he talks, I have it over here, there the Rambam talks about the laws of a Mechamis Mitzvah, of an obligatory war. If you're familiar with the uh, sort of halachic discussion around what a war is exactly, there are broadly two categories of war, which are really three. There's a mechames mitzvah and a mechames rishos. That is a mechames rishos, an optional war, is when the Jewish people decide they need to expand their boundaries or they need to uh, show off to their enemies a little bit. It's never a defensive war. It's not necessarily necessary, but it's needed maybe for political reasons, socio-political reasons, for uh, geopolitical reasons. That's called a mechames rishos that has its own set of laws. There's also a mechames mitzvah, an obligatory war. That's when we're under attack or when we have to eradicate the seven nations or a malik, they don't exist anymore. So the only modern situation of a Melchamas mitzvah would be to eradicate people who are trying to kill us, a defensive war, to eradicate actual enemies who pose an actual threat. Within Melchamas mitzvah, there are also two kinds of Melchamas mitzvah, and they're not both called that in all sources, which is why this gets a little complicated. There is a Melchamas mitzvah that's mentioned in Rambam, which is that in the, in the laws of Malachim, that is uh, down here. We'll jump down here. What is a Melchamas Mitzvah? This is when you're fighting the seven nations. Melchamas Amalek or Amalek. Or they're saving the Jewish people from an enemy that comes to them. So that last one, saving the Jewish people from an enemy that comes to them, is the only one that's in play nowadays because we don't have the seven nations and we don't have Amalek. In any event, Within Melchamas Mitzvah, there's also two kinds of Melchamas Mitzvah, really. There's a Melchamas Mitzvah like that's described there, and there's also a Melchamas Mitzvah, as the Rambam describes in Hilcha Shabbos, when we need to defend a border city from people coming in to attack the border. Even if they're coming not to attack the border, they're coming in for financial reasons. We have a, we have a Mitzvah, the Lashon of the Rambam is Mitzvah, called Yisrael, to engage in such a war. So there's different kinds of Melchamas Mitzvah. What's so interesting about the Rebbe's language in this letter is he's giving the soldiers fighting in Israel a bracha that applies to a category of Melchamas Mitzvah that I would not have associated with any of our current wars. That is the original category of Melchamas Mitzvah. He seems to be giving them the bracha that Rambam gives to those who, based on Gemara, that Hashem gives. The bracha that is reserved for soldiers who are fighting in a legitimate Melchamas Mitzvah, that is uh, either against the seven nations, against a Moloch, or to save the entire Jewish people from their enemy. I want to read to you that entire section in Rambam with that in mind, because the Rebbe seems to be saying that everything in this paragraph would apply to modern soldiers. This comes with a footnote in case you don't listen to the entire end of the shir, that at the end of the shir, we are going to look at a letter where the rabbi qualifies this a little bit and says not everything here applies 
to modern wars, but a good deal of it does. So here's what Rambam says should apply, therefore, to modern soldiers as well in this situation. Who is a person who is afraid? That is, the Meshuch Melchama gets up in front of the Jewish people and says, anyone who's afraid shouldn't go to war. This is, who is who does not have in their heart the strength to stand up to the throes of battle? Because as soon as a person enters into battle, they have a job. They have to put their trust in the Mikveh Yisrael, in the salvation of the Jewish people, in the time of suffering. He should then know that it is on Yichud Hashem that he is doing this war, that the war that he is fighting is for Yichud Hashem, it's for the unity of God. He puts his life in God's hand. He shouldn't be afraid. He shouldn't have terror. He shouldn't think of his wife. He shouldn't think of his children. He should remove their memory from his heart for the moment. And he should remove himself from all of the thoughts so that he can focus on the war. And anybody who begins thinking about these things during war and gets himself scared, say they violated a negative prohibition by being scared in the throes of battle. Because it says in the Pasuk, you're not allowed to be afraid when you're going to war in a Milchamas Mitzvah. Somebody who's afraid during battle, the entire Jewish people's blood's on his neck. If a person does not act with a way of valor when they're engaged in a, in a, in a milchamas mitzvah, and they don't fight with all of their heart, with all of their soul, it's like somebody who has murdered everybody. Somebody, people who in the moment of milchamas mitzvah need to fight. They can't be having, a, they can't be having second thoughts. It says in the Pasuk, so that he won't weaken or melt the hearts of his brothers like his heart. It says in Yermio, cursed is someone who withholds his sword from blood. This is talking specifically about a time of Melchemist Mitzvah when it is uh, when when uh, when normal considerations are not valid, and those who have them cause death. Anybody who does fight a Melchemist Mitzvah with all of their heart, without any fear. And their only intent is to sanctify God's name. Here's the part that really matters for us. It is promised to him. He won't get hurt. He won't be damaged. No evil will befall him. And he will one day build a proper house among the Jewish people. He will have merits for himself and his children forever. And he will get a share in the world to come. These are the prizes for those who fight in the Melchemist Mitzvah. The prize is, first of all, they'll be safe. Second of all, they'll build a bias nachen be Yisrael. Third of all, they will have merits for themselves and their children forever. And fourth of all, they get a share in the world to come. They, they merit a share in the world to come. These are the promises for people who engage in Melchemist Mitzvah. What's so interesting is that up until now, reading this Rambam, in the normal Rambam cycle, I assumed that this applied to ancient wars. The Rebbe is very much saying in this letter that those brachas apply to modern wars. The people who are engaged in war right now have all four of those brachas waiting for them. Yes, and then he quotes a pasuk. We don't have to read the pasuk right now. It's a pasuk from Shmuel that says that this is exactly what will happen. Okay. The question, of course, is whether these didn't apply to modern wars. Certainly, some of them appear to apply to the war that we're in right now, because in the Yom Kippur War, the Nebuchadnezzar said these brachas go to modern soldiers. The question is whether all of the rules apply. And for that, I wanted to show you a couple places in Nigla, and then one fantastic letter from the Rebbe where he addresses this question directly. So first of all, there is the Rambam in, uh, in Hilcha Shabbos. It's the second paragraph of Hilcha Shabbos. The Rebbe very famously quotes it constantly. The reason why he quotes it constantly is it's the Rebbe's argument against giving away any land in Israel. He says that we are not allowed to give away any land, not because of some sort of a ideological reason or political reason, simply because it's Allah and Shulchan Aruch, that we are able to violate Shabbos for uh, 
I'll read it to you. When it comes to um, the non-Jewish nations, they are hurting the Jewish people. They're attacking the cities. If they come for financial things, they come to take our money, but not to hurt us. We do not violate Shabbos. We don't make war with them. They can come and take our money. It's not a big deal. This does not apply to a border city. If it's a border city, even if they only come to steal our Tevin and Kash, they come to steal straw. They don't really want anything of value. Since it's a border city, we go out with weapons and we violate the Shabbos in order to prevent them from attacking. The idea being that since they're a border town, if they get in there, they can get in and attack the entire Israel. At that point, a mitzvah called Yisrael, then it becomes a mitzvah for the entire Jewish people to engage in war. Now, as we mentioned before, this isn't necessarily a Melchamas mitzvah, but it becomes a mitzvah. The Rebbe is going to, in the letter, explain that the reason why he's willing to apply these brachas to what is essentially this situation is because this situation in Rambam and Shabbos is called a mitzvah, and these brachas apply to anyone who engages in a, in a war that is a mitzvah. However, there's also Rambam and Hilchas Malachim, who says you need a king, that there's a king. That's what it implies. That a king can only do a Mechamas Mitzvah initially. And he describes what a Mechamas Mitzvah is, and that is one against the seven nations of Malak, or to save the Jewish people. This is our key Lashen. To save the Jewish people from a, from a, uh, a threat, a challenge, a pain that comes on to them. An enemy that comes to them. That's the right translation. This is later on. You can do optional mitzvah, optional wars in order to expand your boundaries. I want to point out a Meirian Saita because I don't know that a lot of people are aware of it. It's one that the religious Zionists quote often. And I'm not sure, you know, the Meiri is a relatively new book. I'm not sure how many of the early writers on the subject had access to the Meiri, but the Meiri says, any war that the kings of Israel fight or that the leaders of the Jewish people fight, even if they're not kings, against their enemies are automatically Melchamas Mitzvah. This is a Meiri, he's a Rishan, who says that anytime the Jewish people fight a war against their enemies, it's always a Melchamas Mitzvah, whether or not they have a king. For example, anybody against any war against the seven nations, a war against a Moloch, or a war against any enemy that comes to them, to destroy their Nachala. This would seem to expand the definition of Melchamas Mitzvah beyond that which even the Rambam uh, does. Now, on the question of whether our wars right now count as Melchamas Mitzvah, there is a fascinating and quite long letter from the Rebbe. I gave you in this document a link to a version of it on ChabadLibrary.org that is formatted so poorly that it's almost impossible to read. Shov Matsasi, that in Hechel Menachem, before this was published in Nigris, they organized it as Shaila and Mana, where you can see that each question and the Rebbe's answer lined up. It's a little easier to read, so we're going to look at it in Hechel Menachem. But you should be aware that this is also in Igris, the volume 24, and the letter is Tes Shin Ayin Ches. The Rebbe, this was right after the Six-Day War, and the Rebbe had mentioned in a Sicha, Basically, what we saw today in this letter, that the soldiers fighting in the Six-Day War were going to get all of the brachas that Rambam assigns to somebody who participates in a, in a Mechamas Mitzvah. And the writer asks how that's possible. So the writer starts off by asking, The Rebbe implies, or says clearly, that wars in Israel nowadays count as Mechamas Mitzvah. The question is, I thought we needed a Jewish king in order to do this. That's the implication of Rambam that we just saw. That it looks like you need a king for a Mechamas Mitzvah. We don't have one. The Rebbe disagrees. He says, um, very surprised by this. Not clear. Not not clear at all that a person needs a. Uh, that, not clear at all that the Jewish people need a king in order to engage in Mechamas Mitzvah. They think maybe it's Rav Yelis, but it's not clear who that was. The footnotes are not sure. Uh, as I said at the Fabrengen, Dim came because if so, there's a couple of reasons why the Rebbe says I'm pretty sure you don't need a king for Mechamas Mitzvah. Reason number one: all of the king, all of the words that happened between Yeshua and Shaul then would not have been a Mechamas Mitzvah. Why? Yeshua had a Din Melech. Shaul had a Din Melech. Everybody in between, Ein Melech be Yisrael. There was no king among the Jewish people in that time period. 
<clears throat> given that there was no king during that time period, we would have to say that every war fought prior to Shaul and after Yeshua wasn't Mechamas Mitzvah, and that is not at all the Pashid understanding of those wars. Point number two. This would also leave us not knowing what the din is of any of the mitzvahs at the end of Bayashani. After Bayashani, we didn't do it. Uh, end of Bayashani, near the end of Bayashani, we had several wars. Also, these were wars that Tanayim participated in, and uh, they wouldn't have participated in a war that wasn't a Mechamas mitzvah. And Shas does not explain what the din of those Mechamas are. So, Mestama, they are Mechamas mitzvah. So, that is a second reason to believe is Mechamas mitzvah is that we had wars in the end of Bayashani without a king, and the Tanayim participated in them, and the Gemara sure seems to imply at least through their participation, through the lack of comment on it, that these were Mechamas Mitzvah. And three, said, Enlem did Mechamas Mitzvah, Klal V'Eid. He says, furthermore, take a look at Yesifun. He says, check Josephus. He says, in Josephus, it sounds like, it's an interesting thing for the Rebbe to say in a letter. He says, look in Josephus, and it sounds like from Josephus that they that they appointed a Meshuch Lemochama for these wars in a time when there was no king. There was This was the end of Bayashani, Josephus. And it seems that they appointed a Meshuch Lemochama. Nonetheless, a, a, a Kohen anointed to do all of the things that are done during a Mechamas Mitzvah. And they didn't have a king. So again, sounds like these are Mechamas Mitzvah. But then the Rebbe writes in Chalaif, and nonetheless, I did not mean to imply that this was a literal Mechamas Mitzvah, as I will be explaining later. So the Rebbe says, while I could justify this as a pretend, as a, justify the existence of a Mechamas Mitzvah without a king, I don't believe modern Israeli wars are literally Mechamas Mitzvah. I think they're kind of Mechamas Mitzvah. And the Rebbe is going to explain this later in the letter, but suffice for now to say that the Rebbe is going to basically give us all of the advantages of a Mechamas Mitzvah with none of the disadvantages when it comes to Israeli wars. That is, that Israeli soldiers get all the brachas, and all the protection, but they don't end up with a lot of the less uh, less desirable obligations that come with the Mechamas We'll see the Rebbe do that in a moment. <clears throat> Second question. The writer says, maybe we could just say that this is a regular mitzvah to go to war, uh, the same way that the same way that Ramam does in Shabbos. Remember, we saw the Ramam in Shabbos that says that anybody who attacks a border city, it is a mitzvah to go out and fight them, even if they're coming only for monetary reasons. This writer is saying, let's not get into Milchamas Mitzvah, let's just focus on this Ramam. The Rebbe says, yeah, that's exactly what I said. So, I mentioned that in the Sikha. I do think that's what's happening. It's that this applies even nowadays. So we can use that of a Rambam halashin mitzvah. And in Rambam, he uses the language of mitzvah. So we don't need the Milchamas Mitzvah that would give us all of the baggage of normal Milchamas Mitzvah. We can call modern wars the Milchamas Mitzvah al Derech will be San Ramam Shabbos. Look at the Lashonir. Mitzvah al Kaisra Shechem Lavet. Let's say Slazarachem Shemotzer Latzi and Yadam Tikkam Mazalos Shabbos. It's a mitzvah for all the Jewish people to come out and help with that war effort. And the Lashonir Ramam is mitzvah. However, <coughs> the Rebbe has a diok here, and I can almost anticipate that this would have been Sroli's question if the Rebbe didn't have this diok. It sure was mine. Afshein Hechrich Tzeil Geder Becholah Pratim the Milchamas Mitzvah Sechas Seita. Even though the Lashonir Ramam is the Lashonir Mitzvah, we don't necessarily need to keep all the rules associated with mitzvah. <clears throat> um, associated with the Mechamas Mitzvah. Point three, the Rebbe continues, and this is not a question, this is just a continuation of his prior point. I told you the formatting is weird. Mechamas Uhai is a mitzvah This is a mitzvah to go to this particular kind of word. Therefore, we can apply what Ramam says from the other rules of Mechamas Mechamah, that they should know that they are fighting for the Yichud of Hashem. So the Rebbe says that even though we are dealing with the lower category of Mechamas Mitzvah, when it comes to modern wars, we still get a lot of the advantages of the higher category, namely that they should that all the soldiers should know that they're fighting for Yichud Hashem, they're fighting for the unity of God's name. This applies even when you're fighting your enemies, not just for a official Mechamas Mitzvah against the seven nations on Amalek. 
Ben Kishmelech Yisrael Eilav. He said the Rebbe says there's no reason to be Mechalak and say that when there's a king ordering a war in a formal ancient war, that there would be a difference in whether we're fighting for God's name. Either way, either way, we're fighting for God's name. Next question. In Rabbim Hilchus Malachim, they ask, this is a harsher question. It says in Rambam and Hilchas Malachim that their intent, the intent of these soldiers, if they want the blessings, need to be that their only intent is to sanctify God's name. And it sounds like from Rambam that they won't get these brachas if they don't have the intent to sanctify God's name. Says the questioner, when it comes to our situation, it looks like the soldiers who are fighting in the war right now, a good majority of them are secular, a good majority of them are not fighting on the surface to sanctify God's name, maybe they shouldn't get the brachas. The Rebbe writes back, simple answer, rubam v'leikulam. Yeah, a lot of them, not all of them. <laughs> not all of them. Many of the soldiers are there for the right reasons. Follow-up question. The questioner continues to press, and the questioner asks the Rebbe, says that when it comes to our situation, many people who are going out to war, the majority of them at the very least, <clears throat> they are not religious now. They won't be religious even afterwards. And it doesn't make sense to give them the bracha that they should build a bias now in Israel. These brachas only apply to the religious people who go out with the intent to sanctify God's name. And here the Rebbe gives a longer answer. It's possible that before and even after they go to war, they are not religious. But a small por- a portion of them, many of them, a portion of them at least, will change and be inspired at the time of real threat to their lives, and they will then have religious feelings. And the Rebbe says, in that case, at the moment where they are, where they're scared, at the moment where they are in a situation where their life is threatened, they say that there are no atheists in a foxhole. The Rebbe is saying at that moment that they're in the foxhole and they're not atheists, at that moment, they're going to get all of the blessings that are promised to those who trust in Hashem during a war. So as for the religious soldiers, they have it automatically. As for the non-religious soldiers, the first moment that they feel a streak of religiousness during battle, they'll get all the brachas that are waiting for them for the uh, for those who are religiously involved in the battle. Another important point that Rebbe says, and we see this from the Kedima Zvulin Yisachar, that is in the Torah, it says, that uh, Zvulin should be happy, and Yisachar should also be happy, but it says Zvulin first, and Zvulin supported Yisachar. I think. Yeah, that somebody who fights, they can get all these brachas. There is definite schar for those who are defending the Jewish people physically, and labdafka for those who are studying Torah. What we see by Zvulun and Yisachar, that there is special reward that comes to those who enable Torah study by defending it with their bodies, with their money. And the last question here, I think, or one of the last questions here, the Rambam implies that people who are allowed to join the war effort are only those who do not have sins, and therefore that the brachas should only apply for those who do not have sins. The Rebbe answers the hefech, the opposite. In any event, this person asks the Rebbe, shouldn't these brachas only apply to someone who doesn't have any sins? And the Rebbe says, absolutely not. So the next question is, that it says here, Shaila, was this was the six day war a miracle from heaven? And the Rebbe's answer, Baru, Shazan Nitzila, two point five million It absolutely was a miracle. Millions of Jews were saved, including Yeshiva students. 
It was certainly a nes min hashemayim, and it was from the side of holiness. And if not, says the Rebbe, vim lav, lama ve'almatzi v'leimar b'Williamsburg tilim. Why in Williamsburg did they say tilim? Why were they told to say tilim in Williamsburg if they weren't expecting a miracle? So that was saying, if you weren't expecting a miracle, why in Williamsburg were they saying tilim? Uh, the Rebbe, a lot of this letter is apparently geared toward a group that's in Williamsburg, as we will see in the next comment, a Satmar group. And uh, point two, ma palu What exactly do you think you accomplished by saying tilim? You think you, you think you said tilim, and then there wasn't a miracle? You said Tillam, and there was a miracle, so obviously it was a miracle. Uh, the Satmar theme now continues in the final note in this letter, and this is the point eight. Shaila, they ask the question. They say it would seem that Hashem would not make a miracle through people who oppose Hashem. Uh, the hanging implication here being that there are secular Jews or secular Zionists that are in Israel, and God would not make a miracle through them because they are, in the words of the asker, those who oppose Hashem. <clears throat> Obviously not something that, uh, that I think, but uh, <laughs> this is the question. Mine the answer is Dr. Kastner Okay, so there's a there's some hanging implications in here. Uh, I believe what the v'chulos are is that Dr. Kastner was a uh, was a Zionist who was involved in saving the Satmar Rebbe from the Nazis. So uh, the Rebbe's answer: if, if if you're not able to do a miracle by way of a Zionist, then uh, then let's talk about a miracle that happened to the Satmar Rebbe, which was by way of a Zionist, a perhaps uncomfortable fact, but. Uh, Clearly, God does work through Zionists, does work his miracle through Zionists, and you need no further. If you need any proof to that, look at your Rebbe, who was miraculously saved through a Zionist. Uh, so it says, the Rebbe says, furthermore, if you really want to know whether there was a miracle, a judge is only allowed to judge according to what their eyes have seen. So who should we ask? Let's ask the Dayanam of Yerushalayim whether there was a miracle in the Six Day War, whether these were miracles. of Frat is a Ravid, De Eda Charedis, and also Rav Shechia. Epstein says, if you ask these particular people who are involved in the Eidah Haredes in Yerushalayim and in Eretz Yisrael, ask Dayanim who were there whether they saw a miracle, they're going to tell you there was a miracle. So yeah, there was a miracle. And the fact that it happened by way of Zionists, not the first time we saw a miracle by way of Zionists. In any event, uh, we're way over time, but I do want to summarize everything we've done because we covered a ton of ground today on a very important issue. We saw a letter from the Rebbe where he says that tzedakah, when we give tzedakah, it protects us and it uh, protects the entire Jewish people, even those who are unable to give tzedakah right now. What's so special about that is that that means that when somebody donates tzedakah to help with the war that's going on right now, they not only are giving money to help with a war effort, they also are protecting the soldiers by, by helping them with a mitzvah. That is, we are doing a mitzvah, that mitzvah protects them because they can't do that mitzvah right now. So our giving of tzedakah is both a financial protection and mitzvah protection during a time of war. What the Rebbe also mentioned is that we should learn a little bit of Torah for the soldiers, even if it's just one Pasuk. And near the end, we dove into a much larger discussion. Hashem says, I'm sorry, the Rebbe says that Hashem says that, Hashem says, Hashem says that the Jewish people who fight Jew, who fight wars, milchamas mitzvah, obligatory wars, are protected. They get merits for themselves and their children forever. We saw more details of this in Ram, and there's a lot of blessings that they get. We saw four blessings that they get total. We saw that, let's highlight the four blessings that Israeli soldiers get. They won't be hurt. That's number one. Two, they'll build a proper home among the Jewish people. Three, they will give merits to their children and their descendants forever. And four, they will get a share in the world to come. Those four advantages come to someone who engages in a Melchamas Mitzvah, and the Rebbe applies them to modern Jewish soldiers. We asked the question, is that really the case? Do these dinim actually apply to modern wars? We looked at some Rishenim, and in the end, we looked at this letter from the Rebbe, where someone basically attacks this premise and says repeatedly that they think for a lot of reasons 
that these rules would not apply. And the Rebbe's conclusion, to make a very long story very, very short, is that while this is while our modern wars are not literal mechamas mitzvah the way they're described in Rambam Hilchas Malachim, they are mitzvah wars as described in Rambam Hilchas Shabbos, and that therefore all of the blessings that are mentioned in Rambam regarding real Muhammad's mitzvah do apply to our soldiers right now. They'll get all four of those blessings and all sorts of protections and uh, and will merit incredible merit to build healthy and happy homes within the Jewish people, merits that will last them and their descendants forever and also give them a share in the world to come. As to the question of whether this applies also to secular soldiers, the Rebbe gives a resounding yes. He gives a resounding yes in a few different ways in a few different places in the letter, but this is definitely a blanket bracha. This does not just apply to religious soldiers or those who are going for seemingly the right reasons. These blessings apply to every single person who defends the Jewish people uh, back then and absolutely right now.